I have an alter ego. I think I know this. If I had not been called into ministry, if the Lord hadn't put that calling on my life, I would have wanted to do one of two things. So I think, first of all, I would have been coach. I would have loved to coach football. Um, unfortunately, I wasn't that good, so that kind of makes it hard to coach. But anyways, I would have loved to coach football, or, um, or I would have been a cook. Uh, when I love, I, when I am stressed or, or I just have a lot going, I love to put my earbuds on. I like to get in the kitchen and just cook. I love cooking. Actually, up here uh, is my favorite, my current favorite uh, cookbook, Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat, a gift from my wife last Christmas. I think she's given me um, cookbooks the last three or four years. Um, I got a Julia Child cookbook and, uh, and then a Paul Hollywood bread book. It's pretty dope. I love it. Yeah, I think I can say that. Um, so it was, it was just great. Well, it was. I, it was amazing. But um, I love cooking. I love, uh, I love the art of it. I don't love baking. Baking is so much more science. I like cooking. Cooking is to feel. It's to taste. Yes, there's ingredients. But um, generally, in any good dish, there is one thing that stands out that makes it stand out and kind of pop. There's this this one element, right, that that just kind of adds a, a layer of flavor profile that's really, really good. I mean, do me a favor. One day, make your own chicken stock. Like, re- research how to do it and make your own chicken stock. Then taste that, the slow simmered one that you did, versus the one that comes from, like, Swanson's in a box. It's not that that's bad. It's just that that's great, right? And you use that and something that is good becomes great. There's something that makes it pop. Uh, What we're going to talk about today is the secret ingredient to the Christian life. There is a secret ingredient. There is something that we possess, and it's a real thing, and it's something that we get to add and um, make use of within the ingredients of our life experience that is able to give glory to God. So I want to invite you to explore with me and find out how we can make use of the secret ingredient. Over this past, oh man, it was five weeks in the series on grace that you matter to God. Oh, it was six. Somebody just went, it was six. Why can't I do math? That's what I wouldn't have been. My alter ego wouldn't have been a math teacher. My word. Anyways, um, six-week series on grace. Um, But in that six-week series, what we did is we really poured in a lot into your life um, based on the the flat-out truth of the Gospels. We've discussed the, the grace of God, grace, the unmerited favor or generosity, or kindness of God. The undeserved kindness of God given to you without strings attached. Grace. That's what grace is. You've been invited to receive it and to live into it. We talked a lot about how people um, in Galatia, we looked at the book of Galatians and how they lived with grace. But here's the thing, we can't just pour in There's got to be an outflow. In the Holy Land, uh, there is the Sea of Galilee, and then meandering between the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea, not meandering, running, uh, is the Jordan River. And the Jordan River flows into the Dead Sea. It flows into the Dead Sea, right? But the Dead Sea has no output. It actually has no place where the water goes out. So it is dead. It is 
over rich with minerals and things like that, super salty and briny, and it's dead. It has no outflow. The reality is by being poured into, there should be a natural outflow. And since you are poured into with the grace of God and the spirit of God, what we recommend and look into is that we don't want to lose the understanding and the truth we have to forfeit a true outflowing of a spiritual, fruitful life for some cheap, nasty imitation religion. We don't want that. We poured good in and we're hoping that out of your life springs grace. We talked a lot in this series about law versus faith. A minute ago I talked about like homemade chicken stock versus the boxed version. And homemade chicken stock will, um, will sit on a stovetop over low heat and bubble for like 18 hours, 20 hours, they'll slow cook it down to condense that flavor, right? What we wanna do is take a minute and boil and condense that grace down into a really, um, a full flavored gospel punch in your life so that when you're added into a situation, there is, there is, um, there is just a richness to your presence because of that. The law gave rules. And we often prefer the rules because we can look and see where we stand and how we measure up and we can do our checklist of what I can do and can't do. I can consult the list and see where I stood, even though that's a fallacy and it's a lie because in the law, it only reveals sin. It doesn't redeem it, right? But living by the law lets you have a measuring stick, so to speak. But here's the thing. Jesus fulfilled the law entirely. He fulfilled the law. Then he died our death. He died the death of a criminal. When he was put on trial, there was Barabbas. He was a, um, a zealot. And he, had, he was guilty, I, I believe, of murder. And um, he was on trial, and he was guilty, deserving of a sentence. But the crowd cried for Jesus to be crucified. And indeed, Jesus did die. And we can look at Barabbas and replace him with ourselves. We, we deserve death, but Jesus died our death after fully fulfilling the law of God. So we don't have to obey a laundry list of do's and don'ts. We live in grace. And Jesus Christ did the work of boiling down the whole law, all 600 plus laws found within the Torah and then all the rabbinical writings that led up right through even modern day Israel. Jesus fulfilled the whole law, but he also boiled it down and got it really um, thick and really dense. And there's a richness to what we're going to read. It comes out of Luke chapter 10. And what happens is Jesus is asked a question. He's asked a question by a scholar, a scholar of the law, someone who knew the law, probably a Sadducee or a Pharisee, asked Jesus Christ a law. Now, their laws are in a theocracy. So their laws would have been the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. And he asked Jesus Christ about the law. And Jesus boomerangs the question back onto him. And he says, what do you say that it says? And so the scholar, when he asks the question, um, when he says, you know, how do I fulfill the, what's, I, I can't even remember right now. My mind just went like, um, how does, uh, what's, how do you summarize the law is basically what it's called in scripture, the summary of the law. And Jesus says, you tell me the summary of the law. You're the scholar, 
right? You tell me. And the man replies to Jesus, do this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. To which Jesus, if you read the account in Mark chapter 12, I think, verse 28, Jesus replies to him, you're very near the kingdom of God. It's like he warned him that he was close to understanding the heart of the gospel. And it says this, after Jesus says, you're, you're right, you've got it, and you're very near the kingdom of God, they all backed off and nobody asked him more questions. I don't think they wanted to be near the kingdom of God. They wanted their law, right? But Jesus boils it down for us. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. In Luke, in that in that verse, who he goes on because the guy says, "Well, who's my neighbor?" And Jesus goes on to tell them who their neighbor is, and their neighbor was someone they hated. A Samaritan means nothing to you and I, but maybe for you, that person is a Trump supporter or a Biden supporter. And you're like, "Whoa, can't love them." They're off their rocker, right? That's who Jesus said your neighbor is. And when you look at this, he's saying, love me and you'll love your neighbor. You'll love your neighbor. You have to make a choice to do this. Jesus gives us the law in its simplest form. Love God with all that you are and then love your neighbor more than you love yourself. That's it. That is it in its simplest form. But let me ask you again, how do we really do that? How do we actually do that in real time? What does that look like? And how is that what's in my, I mean, really what we have to look at is saying, okay, do I love God with my mind, with my body, with my soul, with my strength? Do I love him with all that I am? Am I, am I, am I being real or am I faking it? Am I impersonating it? Am I loving God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength or am I just pretending? We have to wrestle with that. But then we add the secret ingredient and this is where it gets good. This is where it begins to pop a little bit and some different, um, some depth and some profile comes into this because we have grace, right? And it's poured in and it's in full measure and it's the heart of the message. It's right there. But if we look just a little deeper into the texts around Galatians, we can find in the book of Colossians a scripture that literally should leap off the page at us because it's screaming the secret ingredient. It says this in Colossians 3, 15 to 17. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you are called to peace. And be thankful but the message of Christ, <laughs> you hear that voice crack? Hi, I'm 13. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. There it is. You heard it in two different word forms. Be thankful and gratitude. We'll call it gratitude in this. 
As a reformed person, I, I'm part of the reformed tradition of Christian faith. I went to a reformed seminary. I love reformed doctrine. It's awesome. It's thick. It's meaty. It's so good. I, I love reformed doctrine. And we have standards that we hold to. One of them is the Heidelberg Catechism. You have the Canons of Dort, which isn't the yoked up arms of a little old lady, um, but it's actually the writings from the Synod of Dort, and it's, re- it's just really good. It, they're great standards. And the Heidelberg Catechism and these others have a rhythm to it. And the rhythm is this. It starts with guilt. We are all guilty, right? Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Guilt, we all bear it, a sinful nature. That's how we say it. We're all sinful by nature. It's not what you do, it's who you are apart from Christ. You're sinful, right? So guilt, grace, we've been in grace. So there's guilt, recognition of personal responsibility. There's grace, the unmerited kindness and favor of God on you. And the response of those two things becomes gratitude. That's the rhythm you find in the standards in Reformed theology. Guilt, grace, gratitude. Gratitude is at the heart of of our faith. It's at the very heart of it because it is a response. It is the thing that makes us kind of pop and look different than the rest of the world. Aren't you thankful for grace? When you consider where you were before Christ versus where you are now, doesn't grace seem so wonderful and the work Jesus did for you, doesn't it seem so kind and generous? Isn't it wonderful? What is your response to grace? How do you respond to that goodness? Living in a posture of gratefulness, remembering What he did for you actually transforms your being. It transforms you and helps you live in the rhythm and the cadence you were actually made to live in. When you live in gratitude, you live with your eyes off yourself and fixated on God. It's very hard and there's times where we we mess up with this. We try to get it right and we make mistakes and the reality is um, there is three places that we should work? No, I don't know if work's the right term. There's three places where we should have the self-control to take a look at and make sure there's a posture of gratitude in these areas. And I want to look at them with you, the first place. And it comes out of the summary of the law. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? So um, heart, um, so when you look at your heart, this, this kind of center of your being, I would like to look at that. Let Your hearts, in your hearts, you can be at peace. In your heart, if you want to live with gratitude, and if you live with gratitude, you will be at peace. There may be chaos all around you, but you'll be in a very deep place at peace between you and God. Though the world and things may rage around you, the peace you have in Christ lives in your hearts. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts so let's live in a posture that really points, um, that I guess our posture, let's live in a way that directs us to uh, be reminding ourselves of all that he's done for us because in being reminded of that, it actually transforms the way we view and engage this world. So in your hearts, you can be at peace. 
You can be at peace knowing that God had loved you and he's forgiven you and he's made you righteous. The work of Christ is all sufficient and you are saved and redeemed by him. No work on your part is needed. You are to, be, you are to have faith and believe in that wholeheartedly. You are at peace when you consider your eternity is secure and you're at peace now because you know that no matter what the world throws at you, and seriously, 2020's been the longest decade of my life. It's been a weird year. And we could fixate and be upset in our hearts about what's going on. But the reality is, if we do that, the church begins to be cantankerous and grumpy and uh, unsettled, just like the world around us. There's nothing unique about that. We just blend into culture. But when we live with a posture of gratitude, when we live with a posture of gratitude, we realize that not only did he secure eternity, make me righteous, save me from my sin, he created me for a purpose. And his purpose is above the chaos of this world. He created me and he, for, with that purpose and he equipped me for that purpose. It's not mine to figure out my gifts, it's mine to live into the person he made me to be. We can be at peace remembering what he's done and then living in with a thankful heart of that. Here's the best example of it. Um, so just the other night, Erica and I were talking through, uh, actually we were talking about this teaching, and um, our dog, Nana, so I got her a Bernie's Mountain Dog for Christmas. The beast, Nana Pants, she's unbelievable. And, um, and she's sitting there uh, right in between us, like sitting on the floor between us, being a dog, guess that's how she sits. And all of a sudden she did that horrible dog thing, oh, when I think about it, my gag goes. She's like, I'm like, oh gosh, something's blowing up. And I grabbed her by the car to get her out of the house. And she's like, and pukes on the hardwood floor. And I'm like, oh my word. So I went, I don't know what I did. Did I, I think I just left. Oh yeah, I took her outside. That's right. I was like, did I just leave? But then I come back in. So I hooked her up outside. I come back in and I could hear my wife gagging. She's like clean up, she's like, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, it's so janky. And like she cleans it up and she comes in and throws away the Nana stuff and she throws it in the, in the garbage and is bagging it up and she's like, well, I don't, have, I don't have Corona. I could smell that. And I was like, that is a positive outlook on a rank situation. I was kind of impressed because that's, I would have been like, what's wrong with our, I kind of was, what's wrong with our dog? Like, why did it just do that, you know? And she's like, well, at least I can still smell. I don't have the Rona. And super positive. That is a way, I'm, honestly, it's a small thing, but it's just a posture of gratitude. And it, and it actually, like, we kind of laughed. I was like, I, it's, yay, I, I'm glad you could smell that horribleness, right? It was right there in your minds. How do we let Christ rule in our minds? We think on him. We think on his word. We use his word in conversations. We let the word of God flow in and through our lives constantly. Read it when you rise, when you get up in the morning. Spend time in the word of God. Asking God to direct your steps, to speak into your life through his word. Let his word fill your mind. Chew on it. Chew on his word. As Eugene Peterson said, eat this book. Let it just ruminate on it. Let it sit in there and work around in your head. Uh, let God speak through his word to convict you and transform you. It's a wonderful thing to chew on it. Sing about it. Paul says, like, sing 
Sing these songs. Um, what was it? Psalms, hymns, and sp- songs from the Spirit. Paul says, sing these things out. When we did our worship series a number uh, a couple years ago, we talked about how many, so many of our worship songs, these modern hymns, uh, worship songs and old hymns, were written out of Scripture. Sing the Word of God. Get it in your mind about what He has done and be grateful. And be grateful. And in the darker times of life, I was talking with a mom who had an appointment uh, for her child who was having some things that were very um, troubling for the parents. They, they were very, they were anxious, they were very upset, and they were nervous. And uh, the mom had an appointment with a, a doctor uh, taking the child in. And that morning, the mom was out on a walk. And she said, as, as I was walking, and, and this, the, the thought, you know, it just kind of ever present in your mind, uh, was wanting to fixate and kind of be right there. She, she began to sing the worship song, Not Even Now. Like, not even now are you defeated, right? And she just began to sing that song over and over and over. And the peace of Christ began to rule in her mind. And out of her came a gratitude for the fact that when we are in situations bigger than us, we have a God who's bigger than our situation. And we can turn to him and we can know that even though we don't understand the outcomes and what's going to happen, we can be grateful that we serve a God who does. And that God is not indifferent to our suffering. He's not, he's not calloused or cold-hearted. He loves us. He is for us. And even when we go through bad things, and we all do, he promises to redeem those things for his glory. Let it rule in your hearts, in your minds, and finally, in your bodies. Whatever you do, in word or deed, whatever you say, whatever you do, let it start from a point of thankfulness in your body. Let your body, your physical being, respond in gratitude for all that Christ has done for you. Let your body continually give thanks to God, and it will transform you. One of the things, uh, you know, just physically, I, Erica and I did the, the 25K this past fall. And it was horrendous. <laughs> That's true. And, um, and, and I started enjoying running a little bit more. But um, before almost every run, um, I decided I was going to pray. And I would thank God um, for, for my body and that I could, I could run. I was just thankful. And um, there were times where parts of me hurt that I had forgotten I possessed, right? There were parts of my body that just hurt. But starting out being thankful transformed the way I treated every kind of engagement of a run. Every time I was out there running, I I started thankful, and I remained thankful through most of the runs. It was really kind of fascinating how starting out with gratitude really changed something. But um, I had an experience this past week. It was opening deer season um, on Sunday last week. Uh, Sunday night, snow coming in sideways where I was at in this blind. And uh, my youngest, Ethan, had uh, gotten his first little buck. It's pretty awesome. We were pretty pumped about it. Sitting there looking out the blind, I look across the field about 220 yards away. Man. Oh, man, he was big. He was just big, just huge. Biggest deer I've ever seen. Ethan started talking, and this is what I said. Don't say a word. I want this buck. 
This is the biggest buck I've ever seen. And so I'm sitting there, I'm out six dialed in, and I'm looking, and I mean, the snow's coming down, and I'm like, oh, he's so far away. But, and they, I knew he was going to trot. He trots back towards the woods. I'm like, oh, no. And I'm like, that's it, you know. And I, I lobbed one out. I completely missed. He ran into the woods, and I was so mad. Um, the next morning, uh, right at sunup, a friend of mine was hunting in that blind, and right at sunup, I heard the crack of a gun. After we all came out of our blinds later that morning, we go to look, and that dude has a tank. Looked very conspicuous to the one I saw the night before, and I was like, oh, 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 man. And, um, and I, I'll tell you, like, I got home, I kind of blew a gasket. <laughs> to Erica, I was like, you know what? I don't even understand. Why not? Why can't I? You know, I just, I kind of, I, I literally, it was weird. And I was so mad. I was mad that I missed. And I was, I was just, ugh. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, because I said something like, I, I don't even remember. I was just like, you know, it, it just nothing, like it, it wasn't this, but kind of the proverbial, nothing good ever happens to me. You know, that was kind of the posture. And I said it, and, um, and then I said, and I just, I was standing there, and I was in the closet, and Erica was in our room, and I just said to her, I said, but I love this house. I love the memories we have here. I love that, um, that I spent that time in, in the blind with Ethan. I love that he got his first buck. I'm thankful that, that like, we're healthy, and, I'm just, and I just started being thankful. And that is not my normal MO. I like to brood and get mad and mad and mad until I'm deeply ashamed. And, um, and all of a sudden, out of me started coming gratitude. And I found myself awkwardly, bubbling over in my body. I was literally, I, I, don't, I wouldn't say I was quaking with rage, but there wasn't much peace on my body because I was, I was mad. I was a spoiled, entitled brat. And then I started giving thanks. And I'll tell you what, when I left the room, uh, a few minutes later when I walked out of the room, I had an eyeful of my real life. Not what I didn't have, not what I missed, but what my life was. And it was a really great night. It was wonderful. Like we had dinner as a family and we just enjoyed being together. It was awesome. And I look at that and I think that's how we do it. I was in a place where I could have spiraled down. I wanted to. It felt really good to just be mad at myself and whatever. But it felt wonderful to just pull back and give thanks to God for the many ways in which he's blessed my life. Do I have it all? No. But I'm still called to bubble over with a greater hope that is the grace of God poured into my life that should bubble out. And the secret ingredient that makes our lives pop in this world, in our hearts, in our minds, in our bodies, is gratitude. It's the response of people who've experienced grace. In this grace, we've poured in. What we have to do is that's what should bubble out, is the grace of God with a winsome, distinct, distinct depth and goodness. Your thankfulness, that secret ingredient will activate in you literally a beacon for the world to see something's different. Because though your life isn't perfect, it's filled with the gratitude of the people of God. It's something that cannot be contained. It has to come out of you. It bubbles over. People will see it. And then the second part of what Jesus said 
comes true. When you begin to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and body, wonder of wonders that suddenly your neighbor who voted for the other guy isn't the devil, but somebody God loves and died to save. And they're not somebody you can dispose of, but you begin to love them in a weird way as you love yourself. Why? Because the love of Christ has filled you and the gratitude of Christ has transformed your perspective. I invite you, my friends, live a life filled with gratitude, regardless of your circumstances. I'm not saying they're not real. I think I was pretty honest. I was a bit of a doorknob this week. But here's the thing. Gratitude transforms our lives, and the world takes notice. Pray with me. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for the gospel of peace. Thank you that you are working in our hearts, in our minds, and in our bodies to bring glory to yourself, Lord Jesus. Will you help us to be people who know what it is not only to give thanks, but to live a life filled with the rhythm and joy of gratitude coming out. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As you go into this week, I want to remind you of, of two sisters who had gratitude to the very end of their life. Corey and Betsy Tin Boom were in Ravensbrück internment camp during World War II for helping the Jewish people. And there was a night when they discovered there were fleas in their bunk. And um, Corey was horrified, and Betsy said, we should give thanks. And Corey said, I will not give thanks for this. And Betsy said, no, we must give thanks, because the fleas will keep us from the German soldiers coming in and assaulting us. They're protecting us. She was thankful for fleas in an internment camp for their protection. And Betsy didn't survive the war. Corey did and went on to live a vibrant life sharing the gospel. But Betsy didn't survive the war. But here's what we do know. She lived in gratitude to the very end of her life. She lived in gratitude towards God till the end of her days. And that gratitude sustained her and buoyed her up for her last days in an internment camp. But if she can be thankful there, imagine what it would be like if we stepped back and took in the wonderful blessings of our life, even now, and we realized that gratitude is what makes us distinct. It's the secret ingredient of the Christian. This week is Thanksgiving. So I would like to invite you, live like it. Live in Thanksgiving. Yep, you could focus on everything that's going on. You could complain about people who are gathering in a big family group or not gathering. You could do all that. Or you could be thankful. You could have gratitude and spend a week that we nationally designate as Thanksgiving. And you could spend a week being thankful and being distinct by the gratitude towards God. Let it come out of your life. Let it boil over. Live a life of Thanksgiving this week and see if the posture of your heart, your mind, and your body follows as you go from this place. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you as you go about this week.